right, here's the word for today. 1 Peter 3, uh, verses 13 through chapter 4, 11. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for, for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. But in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. It is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit, through whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison, who disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They think it's strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation, and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to men in regard to the body, but live according to God in regard to the spirit. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, friends. Uh, sorry, the, the whole timing to walk down here is actually a thing and not figure that out yet. Um, David told me to remind people who I am. Uh, I'm a sinner saved by grace. Um, my name is also Jackie, and I am an elder here at TGC Park Slope. Thanks, friends. Um... Yeah, my mind just went blank for a second, which I totally expected to happen. Um, but why don't we pray? Let's do that. Lord, I thank you for um, 
this place and, and these people, God. I thank you for the body of Christ um, that you are building up even now, Lord. I thank you for your presence with us here already this morning. And God, I just ask that you would meet every single person here where they are. Lord, we are a small but mighty crowd today. And God, everyone who is here is here for a reason. So Lord, I pray that you would speak powerfully to them through your word. Um, and I just pray that we would meet for you, meet with you today. God, I pray for every runner in the marathon, Lord. I pray that you would keep them safe and healthy, particularly our own Caleb Clardy. Um, yeah, Lord, would this be a, a transformative experience for them today? Thank you for our bodies and all of the miraculous things that they can do. And again, Lord, we just ask you to be with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so this is a pretty meaty passage. It's very long, and I'll tell you right now that we're not going to touch on every single part of it, but it creates an opportunity for you and your small groups to have really robust conversations. Um, we're pretty deep into the letter, and so it feels like an appropriate moment to, uh, to pull out some themes and maybe go a little bit deeper into them. And so today, I'm going to talk about suffering and about community and about suffering in community. Uh, and that's where we are going to, to spend our time. So uh, Peter is talking to us again about how we live now that we have been born again into this living hope. He's talked to us earlier about trials that test the genuineness of our faith. And now he's talking about some other types of suffering. Suffering for the sake of the gospel, suffering for the sake of doing good and being obedient to God, and suffering because Christ suffered. And he is again telling us how we live as a community of believers, how we love each other really well and use our gifts for the sake of building up the kingdom. And as I've been praying and listening over the past few weeks, a few things have come up that I think God wants us to explore today. Um, and so I'm going to talk about each of them, three things, really briefly, and then we're going to go in-depth, super in-depth on the first one, and then less in-depth on the next two. Um, so number one, we are called to suffer well. Um, the long and the short of this is that Jesus suffered. He suffered unjustly. He suffered with grace and truth, and his suffering was redemptive for us. And so we may be, in our lives of following Christ, called to do something similar. Um, our suffering is redemptive both for us and for others. And Peter is also saying that we need to be ready to tell people why we have the hope that we have in the midst of suffering. Uh, number two, in suffering, it matters what we believe about God. Um, one of the well, the first sin in the book is we see Eve, she's talking to the snake, he's questioning her about what God actually said, and we can see her start to doubt. Um, we, can, we can read the thoughts in her mind. Will I really die? What is God holding back from me? Why doesn't he want me to have this? It looks good. Why doesn't he want me to have good things? How can God be good if he doesn't want me to have this good thing. And we live in the brokenness and the aftermath of that fall, and it's something that we have to confront 
in our faith walks. Number three, in suffering, love, community, and joy matter. So depending on how you grew up, you might have had suffering as either a big part or a little part of your theology for a black woman growing up in the American South, going to church at a black church in the American South, suffering was a huge part of our theology. Um, one of my favorite songs that we sing back home at church, it's a, I'm not going to sing, don't worry, um, but it's a song that goes something like, I've learned how to live holy, I've learned how to live right, I've learned how to suffer, for if I suffer, I will gain eternal life. And in the end of that song, it says, when I see Jesus, amen. Um, and it's a really, really beautiful song, and it was a really important part of, of our understanding of suffering in that congregation. And so I had a really clear idea of suffering and as that being a part of, of following Christ, but what I don't think I could account for until later in life and um, even maybe until a few years before I joined this church, was that there's a lot of joy. There's a lot of joy in following Christ. And so as I have said yes to him and as I have walked into community and said yes to community and serving and using my giftings for the building up of the kingdom, I have experienced an immense amount of joy in community. And so suffering, yes, but there's also joy. Um, so let's start uh, just at number one again. You guys, I'm not really good at the slide thing yet, so this is all really, <laughs> it's all going to be super basic, um, but I promise to say everything that appears on the screen and to be as clear as I can when I'm talking. Um, Number one, we are called to suffer well. So the first person that I actually heard say this was a woman who was part of this um, sort of Brooklyn evangelical church black women's collective that we had started for a little while. And we were sitting around a table eating tomato jam, which was really good. I remember it being really good. Um, and she was talking about what was going on in her life. She had had some health problems and she wasn't able to do the work that she could do before, and she was also um, having trouble finding work that she could do with her new physical limitations. And she was telling us this, and we expressed, you know, an appropriate amount of sympathy for what she was going through, but she said something in response that has really been seared in my mind ever since, and she said, very matter-of-factly, Christians are called to suffer well. And... Again, suffering was a part of my theology, but I don't think that I had considered that it was accomplishing something, that suffering was accomplishing something in me and accomplishing something in the context of my public faith that was important. Um, as, a, as a Christian living in the West, I always wanna be really careful in how we talk about suffering there are obviously places in this world where you can be harmed or killed for preaching the gospel, for proclaiming the name of Jesus, and that is not the context that we live in, thank God. Um, but even here, where we live, there are 
going to be some things that we face that are going to give us challenges. They're going to create hardship. It's going to make life a little bit difficult for us. Um, and so I'll talk about those really quickly. Uh, Caleb mentioned this a few, uh, maybe a couple weeks ago. Uh, John Mark Homer wrote a book. It's called Live No Lies. And in, in this, he expounds on um, a paradigm that we've talked before, devil, flesh, world, the enemies of our soul. Um, and so to put it a little more simply, we are fallen people. We are living in a fallen world that is under the influence of other fallen beings. And there are consequences to that. So we're fallen people. We are the descendants of Adam and Eve. We are living in the aftermath of that rebellion. Our hearts are prone to wander. We are tempted by the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. And we have desires that go against God. Now, none of us wants to be in rebellion against God, but in many ways, the war that is being fought is inside of us. Um, there's an interesting quote by a man with a very challenging name, um, but he says, the line between good and evil divides the heart of every human being, and who wants to destroy a piece of their own heart? But in essence, that is what we are being called to do. We are being called to crucify our flesh, and that process is going to be challenging and uncomfortable. Uh, we live in a fallen world. There are unspeakable acts of evil that are being committed against our fellow humans all day, every day, all over this world. And just the small fraction of it that we are actually aware of should cause us to regularly lament and to regularly cry out to God, um, which is part of what we're doing with the justice deacons. There is injustice in this world and we are not supposed to be indifferent to it. It should cause us to pause. It should cause us to think. It should cause us pain because it's causing God pain. And so just the fact of living in this reality is going to cause us some amount of suffering. We live in this Western society. Our society is highly individualistic and our value is based on what we Produce, and that is the antithesis of the gospel. I was really fortunate yesterday to attend a talk with Rich Velotis, who is ooh, the pastor of a church uh, that I cannot remember right now, but we all know Rich. He's our friend. Um, and he uh, brought out this story from Genesis, uh, reminding us that Adam and Eve were created on the sixth day. And we all know what happened on the seventh day. What happened on the seventh day? Yeah, that's right. So Adam and Eve's first full day in existence, they were resting. They were resting with God. They were resting in the created uh, world. And we live in this society that tells us that rest is something that we have to earn. Um, Spending time with our families and children and being able to receive care when we're sick, our Western value system is telling us that that is something that we have to earn. And being bombarded with that messaging in every corner of our life is harmful to us. Um, 
And the trick there is, is that we might start to believe it, right? We might start to believe that we have earned the things that we have. We might start to strive to maintain them. Um, but that is not the way of Jesus. James tells us that every good and perfect gift is from above, <clears throat> coming down from the Father of light. So whatever you have, it is not because you earned it. And your value is not determined by what you produce. It's determined by who your father is. So as fallen people moving through this fallen world under the influence and rule of a fallen angel, uh, we are trying to avoid deformation and we're seeking to be formed in the image of Christ and living in that countercultural way is going to cause us some amount of suffering. <clears throat> is that clock telling me when how long I've been standing up here? Is that what that clock means? Okay, sorry, I should have asked that before. <laughs> okay, you guys will flash me a sign or something when that becomes important. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> um, Peter says in, in chapter four, therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves with the same attitude because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. Um, and his words seem reminiscent of what Paul said to the church at Philippi. Uh, Paul said, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Uh, this is in the NIV. A lot of us may know it in the KJV, which is let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Um, I love the poetry of the KJV. Um, but let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made human, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by being obedient to death, even to death on a cross. So in our lives of obedience we may experience something that is akin to death. Um, and we get this interesting bit of imagery where Peter is potentially recounting the actual events that happened after Christ's death on the cross, but we don't really know. And I, I promise you, I read a lot of commentaries. No one really knows what this means, but let's read it together and, and try to pull something helpful from it. Uh, this is chapter 3, verse 18 for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the un unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience, conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So what I think Peter, at least in part, is getting at here is that there is a part of, of this life as followers of Christ where we are going to go through suffering. Yes, resurrection is here. Resurrection is now. It's in our bodies. But we are still going through the valley of the shadow of death. We are living out 
the symbolism of our baptism and passing through death into life. And in our descent into the depths of suffering, we are preaching the gospel to the lost of this generation. And in doing that, something is happening for us. We are being freed from sin. We have a clear conscience toward God. We experience resurrection. Suffering is a part of our formation. And Peter also says to be ready to give an answer to whoever asks you about the hope that you have. <clears throat> a couple of months ago, I um, agreed to meet a, meet a coworker uh, for drinks, and I wasn't really feeling up to it. I like this person a lot. I even love this person. Uh, but I was really tired that day. I had just um, gotten back from vacation, the news of Delta COVID was kind of throwing me for a loop, and I was just feeling a bit down. But I decided to go anyway, and so I walked over to her, and she knows, we know each other, we're in each other's lives, so she knows about my church, and she knows about what I do here. And so she started to ask me sort of what was new, and I was like, oh, I became an elder. And she was like, oh, what was that like? And I was like, oh, I kind of married my church like, I, I said some vows, <laughs> they said some vows to me, we said I do, um, my mom was there, <clears throat> and she started to ask me about, you know, sermons that I'd preached, and January 6th, and racial unrest, and my response to it, and um, I, yeah, I decided to really share with her kind of where I was at. I started to um, share scripture with her. I started to tell her about our belief that we are not fighting a war against each other. We're not fighting against our brother or sister. We are fighting against principalities, against the forces of darkness in this world. These things are coming out of my mouth that drinks with my coworker, and I'm like, ooh. Um, I'm telling her that, yes, sometimes I get very sad, and yes, sometimes I get really angry, but... Romans tells us that where sin abounded, grace abounded all the more. Thank you. Um, and so I'm sharing these things with her, and I'm kind of like looking all around and not wanting to make eye contact, um, but really having the conviction of my beliefs. And I looked over at her, and she was crying. Um, and it was just such a wonderful and fruitful moment of being able to share my faith with someone who doesn't believe in the same way that I do and having it impact them in an important way. And, you know, I had that feeling of, you know, Jesus is, is at the well and he's telling the, the disciples to go get him some water and then they, or some food, and they come back and, and he's like, my, my food is to do the will of my father. And so I had one of those moments where I just felt full after describing to someone my faith, after sharing with them the hope that I have, and, and living in a way that someone would even ask me, that someone would be curious about my faith. Um, so how do we do this? How do we suffer in a way that makes people curious? How do we suffer with hope? Um, that brings me to my second point, which is that in suffering, it matters what you believe about God. Um, 
One of the favorite scriptures that we all like to quote, Psalm 27, 13, I remain confident of this, that I will see your goodness in the land of the living. And I think the KJV and the NKJV give us something to work with here a little more. Uh, It says, I had fainted or I had lost heart unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And as usual, out of curiosity, I flipped to the complete Jewish Bible, and interestingly enough, in that translation, it's not even a sentence. It just says, if I hadn't believed, I would see Adonai's goodness in the land of the living, dot, dot, dot. As if to say, it is absolutely unspeakable, or I shudder to think what would have happened if I didn't believe in God's goodness. Um, Yeah, I think the message is clear. If you do not believe that God is good and that his goodness will be an experiential reality in your life, you will not make it. So my question for us is, do you believe that God is good? Do you believe that you can trust him to determine what's good for you? Do you believe you will see and experience his goodness on this side of eternity? And that may seem like a really simple question for Christians to answer, but in the first couple of pages of the Bible, you see Eve immediately start to doubt. And everything in her life was going really well up to that point. Um, but we're, we're not in a garden, And we are going to suffer, and it's not always going to be clear what God is doing, and sometimes things are not going to feel good, and it is really easy to begin to doubt, and I think it's okay, and I think it's even important for us to ask God what his goodness looks like today, because he meets us where we are. I was praying with a friend recently, and I say recently, it was probably more than a year and a half ago at this point. It was pre-COVID. But we were praying, and she really challenged me. She was like, do you believe that God is good? And I was like, yeah, sure. Yeah, he's good. And sometimes it takes a little while for that to be revealed. And she said, I want you to ask for a picture. I want you to ask God for a picture of his goodness. And so I closed my eyes and I asked the question and I had this this vision, this little reel in my head of little Jackie and she is running around in this field of flowers that looked a lot like a zhuzhed up version of my parents' backyard. And I don't remember anything else but, but just me running, but there was this feeling of warmth and safety, and the feeling of being free and being looked after. And it felt like God was showing me, this is what I want for you. This is what I'm leading you toward. This is what all of this, the passing through, the valley of the shadow of death, the movement from death into life, this is what I'm bringing you to. Um, But it's so easy 
for us to lose that picture and to lose that understanding. Um, I was talking about my church back home, and one of the things that we do there, you know, we don't sing any of these new, these new songs, but we sing a lot of call and response songs. Does everybody know what a call and response song is? You guys know that? So we sing this song. It's very simple. I'm not going to sing. Don't worry. Um, <clears throat> it just says, God is a good God. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. You want to sing? <laughs> Do you really want to sing right now? <laughs> God is a good God. 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 Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. So that's what we do on 14th and Grenfell in Jacksonville, Florida. <laughs> but I was recently home, and we were singing that song, and... You know, you stand up and sing, and you're, and you're saying the words, and you clap your hands. But as I was singing, I realized I really needed to say those words out loud. I needed to say out loud that God was good, because I was speaking to my soul. Um, Pastor Lisa talks about this sometimes, that there is something important that happens in your brain when you say something out loud. So when we are having a fear response, we go to our, our animal brain, and that has consequences for our body. But when we say things out loud, then that helps us reintegrate. It helps us move into a higher plane of thinking. And so in those moments when I'm standing in church and I'm clapping my hands and I'm saying it over and over, God is good. Yes, he is. God is good. Yes, he is. I'm speaking to my soul. I'm saying, soul, don't you remember? Don't you remember that he's good? Don't you remember that he delivered you? Don't you remember that he set you free? Don't you remember the wounds on Jesus' hands and in his sides and in his feet? He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Soul, don't you remember that God is good? So I've been doing, um, many of you know this, Bible in a Year with Father Mike Schmitz, and learned a lot about Catholicism, um, which is interesting. Um, but there's this theologian that regularly comes on there, and he mentioned part of the Catholic Church's catechism, and I think it encapsulates really well um, what we can believe about God. It says this, God, infinitely perfect and blessed in himself, in a plan of sheer goodness, freely created man to make him share in his own blessed life. For this reason, at every time and in every place, God draws close to man. He calls man to seek him, to know him, to love him with all his strength. 
He calls together all men, scattered and divided by sin, into the unity of his family, the church. To accomplish this, when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son as redeemer and savior. In his son and through him, he invites men to become and women to become. (laughs) In the Holy Spirit, his adopted children and thus heirs of this blessed life. God's plan of sheer goodness. Do we believe it? Um, I have one more point. Where am I? Oh, thanks. Um, In suffering, love, community, and joy matter. Um, I mentioned this, uh, JMC's, that's what I call him, John Mark Comer, um, his book, Live No Lies, Uh, He talks about a psychological study about how people recover from traumatic events. Um, And the study, he cites, finds that the single most important factor about whether or not a person um, was able to heal from a traumatic event is whether or not they had a supportive community or what he calls a relational home. And there's a psychologist, Robert Stolarow, who says... Trauma is when severe emotional pain cannot find a relational home in which it can be held. And so, fortunately for us, the invitation of the gospel is an invitation into relationship with the triune God, the community of love that existed before all things and brought all things into existence. We get to enter that and be a part of it, each of us and all of us together. Jesus says this in John chapter 15, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So when we are faced with these trials of many kinds, we have a relational home. We have Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We have each other, the community of believers, and that is going to keep us from destruction and despair and hopelessness because we have that relational home and a source for joy. The book of Hebrews tells us that Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. And that joy was anticipating the marriage feast of the Lamb that we see in Revelation. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation sitting down with our Savior. And I think about this a lot, especially when I'm enjoying a glass of wine. Um, Jesus says in Matthew, I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now or until that day, on, on, until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So he's waiting. He's waiting to celebrate with us. But we get a preview of it now with each other. We get to experience God's grace and his love and the joy of communion right here, right now, with each other. We have this community, and Peter is telling us to swim in it because it's going to help us to endure. I'm just going to read the last part right now because it's just so good. Above all, love each other deeply 
because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks with the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So I have some invitations for us today. Um, I'll invite, and then we'll pray, and then we'll take communion, and then we'll sing. Um, So I don't know what's going on with you guys today, but maybe you are in the midst of suffering And you're having trouble believing in God's plan for you, in his plan for sheer goodness. Maybe you need to ask God what his goodness looks like for you right now, today. Or maybe you just need someone to come alongside you and bear up under a weight that feels crushing. So I want to invite you to to do all of those things today in whatever way that feels good to you. There are people who will be up here to pray with you. I can pray with you. You can kneel. You can sit at your seat. You can ask someone next to you. I know sometimes it's awkward to come down front, but we love each other. Let's make room for that. Um, I feel like I would be really remiss if I did, if I didn't really... (laughs) If I didn't share what's on my heart right now, which is that this has been so true in my life. Um, People who have come around me, people who have said to me, I'm going to stand in front of you today so you don't feel the blows. I'm going to bear up under this weight for you. I, I have sent emails to friends. I'm like, I'm so tired of praying this prayer. Can you hold this for me for a little while? because it's too heavy. And so I want you to know that this is real and it's true and we can be that for each other. And Peter is telling us that that is what this community is for, loving each other deeply, being faithful stewards of God's grace, bending that grace towards each other. We can be little Jesuses in each other's lives. So... Again, if you're in the midst of suffering, if you need someone to talk to about God's sheer goodness, if you want to know what his goodness looks like for you today, or if you just need a friend to come alongside you, we're here for that. We are all here for that. Let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you for your words. They are true and good. They are an arrow that pierces hearts. God, I thank you for what you're stirring up even now. Lord, I pray that your power of healing would dwell in this room. Come, Holy Spirit. God, you know the wounds that we have, but your word says that your punishment brought us peace. 
and that by your wounds we are healed. So Lord, we speak healing. We speak freedom. We speak to that part of us that longs to run with you and be free with you and be whole with you because we know that's how you see us. So Lord, would you be with us as we respond to your ministry? Yeah, Lord, would you just lead and guide us in these next moments? In Jesus' name, amen.